The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 53 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in Cali. Zandrick Ellison and Zan before we get into it this is a very special episode of the underdog sports NBA show we are sort of delving into the film world and we're going to do an academy awards but it's going to be the underdog awards how do you feel about that (laughs) well when you say very special I think of it the opposite I feel like this is a very um not much going on kind of show in the NBA the big story this week was people being outraged about the all decade team um, and then we were thinking about talking about that, but we're like, this is stupid. The all decade team, it's just hard to f- do, you know, like people like Kobe Bryant are good for two years and then they get worse. And then somebody like Giannis was good for the last few years. So like, how do you compare the two? Um, so we decided to make our own awards. So th- that's how we're doing today's show. Just a bunch of awards on and off the court. Who did, who did the all decade team originally? Was it ball ball life was who did the decade teams? I don't know, but it, it, that's been going on. I mean, the, you know, the NFL has been doing that for a while. Um, and it kind of makes sense in general, but it's just hard, you know, like how do you, you can't neatly put everyone in the same box. I have a question for you before we start about the all decade team. So we, we agreed that the the first team for the all decade was, was pretty simple. Like, I mean, obviously LeBron, KD, Curry, Harden, and then they had Kawhi as the third guy as the fifth guy. And I I would say that obviously Kawhi certainly belongs on it. I I don't know if he was a unanimous first team guy. I think the other four are like very clear that they need to be on it. But who would be the MVP of 2010 to 2019 to you if you had to pick right now? Definitely LeBron. I mean, is there any other debate? Is it is it definitely LeBron? I mean, he's won. He's won how many titles? He's won three titles this decade, who's, right? Who's the other candidate? Steph Curry's won three titles and two MVPs. Kevin Durant's won two titles, two MVP or one MVP and two Finals MVPs, and beaten LeBron head to head twice. Curry's beaten him three times. Are those three guys like? Is LeBron way ahead of those other two guys? I don't like. I don't think way ahead, and and that's like all our. I would clearly give it to LeBron. I don't think there's a huge debate on that one, but there is a debate on who's the best right now. And so that's going to be our big category at the end of the show. No spoilers, but like, how do these guys rank at the moment? Not career achievement. Um, who's the best player in the world? So uh, I think that that's a more interesting debate than like, has LeBron been the best player for like, he's probably been the best player like eight out of the last 10 years or something. I don't know. I don't know that it's as, as, cut and dry as people think like I, I would agree with you that like I think he would more than likely be the unanimous 2010 to 2019 MVP but I don't know that it's like I don't know that he's like worlds ahead of KD and even Steph Curry I don't I, and this year matters a good bit because it would have been KD's third his third finals even if he hadn't played his third championship Curry's fourth championship in five years like this would have been a pretty big year so maybe LeBron who People always stack him up with Kawhi, and I think there's a lot of people that think Kawhi is the best player in the NBA at this exact moment. LeBron should be pretty happy that uh, 
Kawhi got it done in Toronto because I think they're in, in, historically speaking, I think this was a pretty big year for Durant and Curry. And now obviously that kind of splintered and broke up and those guys are going to have to do it on their own now again. And, and it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. I think. Yeah. Well, it certainly all these awards and, and ours included is meant to just generate discussion and, and generate fake outrage um did you see on was a first take molly kiram like walked off the set because she was so annoyed allegedly by max kellerman's take he said they're talking about kobe bryant and he's like he didn't deserve to be on the third team he deserved to be on the all worst team of the decade and then she she walked off he was, Although, still, he was still quite good from like 2010 to 2012 maybe 2013 yeah I don't so have pretty much no i have i looked it up now he kobe was good until 2012 slash 13 he had 27 points a game well, he won a title. He won a title too, right? Two thousand eleven, they, they won the title. So he was good for, you know, three or four years of the decade. Then the next year, he played six games total, got an All Star appearance. The next year, he averaged twenty two points a game on thirty seven percent shooting from the field. Also, an All Star appearance. His final year, he averaged eighteen points a game, shot thirty five point eight percent from the field. And, and one went to the all-star game again i mean he was he was probably the worst play the least productive player by the end of his run i mean just in terms of like just jacking up terrible shots and just being totally inefficient i think like we'll get skewered for this because it's just like you don't you don't really say things like this about kobe bryant you end up you end up no, i mean it, it, he's you know <laughs> He was he was the worst player in the NBA his last season. Yeah, I agree. Like I do, I do something called like the LVP. It's not like the worst player because it's like the worst player is not playing at all. But like the elite, the the most hurtful player is the guy who is playing a lot and shooting a lot and just negatively affecting the team. And he was absolutely that by the end of his career. And, and you know, it's funny we've debated Kobe on the show a lot, and I do come off as a, a bit of a Kobe hater just because he doesn't really play the way that I would want to play. But he's obviously like unequivocally one of the best 15 players and that may be under underrating him honestly but he did start off the decade with the first title they won in 2009-2010 obviously they beat Boston in game seven in in a series where maybe Kendrick Perkins doesn't get hurt he never gets another title but I I don't know but the last two seasons of his career we joked about this I think we've talked about this off the year like he took the massive contract and the Lakers were like all right we have to give it to him because it's Kobe Bryant and people want to come see him and then like his last game obviously gets like 60 points on like 50 shots, which is, you know, impressive to even get 50 shots. But it's like, it's sort of all these Kobe fans were like, oh my God, he can still score 60. And it's like, if you're watching the game, like Utah wasn't even trying to guard him. And like, well, the Utah, I think was trying to win, which is weird. It was like, cause I think they were kind of still slightly in the playoff chase. It was one of the most odd games I've ever watched that last game because it was on one hand, super impressive, but on one hand, like incredibly embarrassing, like how, like how he would just jack up every single shot. Um, yeah, my, my favorite, I would say that my favorite part of Kobe Bryant fans, and then, and then we can get into this, but it's just like my favorite part about Kobe Bryant fans is that like, no matter what, no matter what you say about somebody who might be better than him, all they talk about is like, well, one game he scored 81 points, which you cannot take that away. Like, that's amazing that he did that. But it's like when he finally, when he scored 60 in his last game, it, it like kind of like, vindicated all these Kobe fans that were like, he still has it if he still wants to score. And it's like, that was one of the weirdest games I've ever watched. I totally agree. Yeah. It's like ends are rarely pretty, you know, and, and that one was uglier. The, I mean, the, it was, it was watchable. It was entertaining. I watched the whole game. How often do you watch a game of like Lakers team that probably won like 30 games that year? But if that, so listen, this was the line on that game. I don't know if you remember this, but we, everybody knows he scored 60 points, right? But he played 42 minutes, really impressive. 22 of 50 from the field, so 44%, not bad. 
Six for 21 from three. That's a whopping 28.5%. 10 for 12 from the foul line. Four rebounds, four assists, four steals. So, like, not not terrible, you know? But at the same time, I just remember he was so exhausted at the end of the game, and people were going absolutely apeshit for Kobe Bryant. Yeah, you know, the one thing to in Kobe's defense, old Kobe's defense, is he still got to the line a decent amount. And maybe not the last last year, but still four times a game. The year before that, seven times a game. So that allows you, like, it prevents you from, like, the total, like, floor from falling out from under you in terms of your efficiency. Like, Iverson's the same way. Like, he's not going to shoot efficiently, but if you're getting to the line eight, nine, ten times a game, there's, you know, it ups your true shooting in a way that some players now need to, to continually do to in order to, like keep like consistently chugging along and one and one thing it's funny like we you had first take listed one of the things is like best nba related tv show well, let's get into it let's no, get no, into I, it. I, but i, I want to say one thing real quick it's like we don't first know. take's not gonna win best nba it, show it, it is not but like molly Queerum, you know she's the host of that show i i very rarely watch first take like i, I almost never watch it unless like clips of Stephen a smith and max like yelling at each other pop onto my timeline you know, and, and we could have actually talked about that Carmelo interview. I don't know if you watched it, but it was it was interesting. But I don't understand, like, is that stuff planned on that show? Or does Molly Queerum just think, like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to, like, steal some clout and steal some spotlight, so I need to walk off the show? Like, do you yeah, think that was written in? Did she know Max Kellerman was going to do that? Um, That's a good question. It's hard to get into the mind of a Molly Queerum. You know, she's, <laughs> she's such an advanced um genius and, and then but, she was rated big lead did best 40 under 40 for media people and she was like number 30 on the list like i didn't know molly Queerum had any other role i'm not even trying to be like I, she's not like rachel nichols in the sense that like she gets on there and gives her opinions all the time she rarely does that right how could she well that's not her job right i, I don't i don't watch the show either and I'll, I'll say we didn't have this as a category as far as like best talking head the the most watchable talking head whose like job is literally just to spout and be it controversial um would, would would we give that to Stephen a smith i i do think he's the best at that. he's unbelievable I, it's i i hate so much like what media has become like I, I think it's terrible like i think like you're jason whitlocks and skip bayless and Stephen a's and max and rob parker and chris Brousseau. like i hate it but Stephen a smith's ability to like pump out content and he has a ton of sources in the nba like i, I think he's more often than not tied in a little bit even though he's not somebody who breaks news but like he's the best by far it's it's yeah. like well fun. you know what and not only is he like entertaining in like a wwe kind of way but he's also i get the sense that he really does like basketball you know yeah. which i don't think that about skip bayless or colin coward or whatever like i think they're just like saying it to like stay relevant or whatever they probably <laughs> got fed like the box score from the night before like i i genuinely think steve a smith likes watching he, games and likes the players that he's friends with and stuff. yeah i mean you you know that he played college basketball he played for clarence Gaines at winston-salem state like so he yeah no he i mean he's a guy that knows hoops and like ironically like he penned an editorial about how clarence Gaines needed to like not be the head coach at winston-salem state anymore but for those of you who don't know like Gaines hall of fame head coach one of the pioneers of like african-american coaching and just coaching in general but yeah so Stephen a i mean his background speaks for itself like he covered you know the sixers for years and years and years like he was a beat reporter like he he didn't come up in the basketball world he sort of came up like skip bayless did in the football world where he covered the cowboys and like that's kind of how he got his voice but Stephen a you know he, he's by far the best like it's just that you see all the other things like when he's not talking about basketball he's naming the wrong players on the chiefs and the chargers or he's shouting about boxing with teddy atlas and you're like this guy's a cartoon character 
you know? Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, we're giving him credit. I, I wrote that in. I just scribbled it in. Best talking head. Winner, Stephen A. Smith. We're giving him an award. We'll send it to him in the mail. Um, but that goes into our first categories, like media off the court categories, where, you know, we're building our way up to best player. Um, and let's start with something that's in our wheelhouse, best NBA-related podcast. We were not even nominated. I didn't even write our name down. Um, but we're working towards it. We're trying to get on this list. Um, you know, things like Bill Simmons is the famous one, Low Post, Starters, Dunked On. Who, who wins best NBA-related podcast? I think, it, you know, you got mad at me because, as usual, I gave more than one answer. But Dunked On is, I, in my opinion, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue do the best job of breaking down news and storylines in the NBA. They are very good at the cap situations, I think. A lot of their predictions, they did the free agency pods this summer that were awesome. I think they have the best content for all things related to the NBA. They may not be as funny or anything like that, but I think they have the best actual NBA content. I think they're the most in-depth. So if you're trying to learn about the NBA or be up-to-date on what's happening, those are the two guys, the Dunked On podcast, Nate Duncan and Daniel Rue, that I feel do the best job. Yeah, and and they're kind of, you know, that's sort of uh, a template for us. Like, I don't think we're as serious as that. Like, I think we're, we hopefully live somewhere in between that and like the starters who I really like. I think they have great chemistry. They they don't really, they're not as critical. You know, they're just like happy, upbeat guys. Um, we're neither happy nor upbeat. So I think if we could like somehow bridge the gap between those two, that's what we want our show to be. Hopefully we're getting there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would also say a couple other ones that I think are really good that weren't listed. Game Theory with Sam Vecini does a bunch, really good job of breaking down prospects, has a bunch of very good analytics guys on his. Bill Simmons, obviously, you guys know the brand. It's okay. Rusillo has made his NBA stuff a lot better, uh, which I, I think is great. But Ringer NBA shows is good. Kevin O'Connor, and then when they get Sharks and those guys on there as well, I think there's this is a great time for NBA content. Daily Ding, which is now on athletic on the Athletic with like. Zach Harper, Amin El Hassan, Dave DeFore, those are all really good as well. But I think it's a great time for NBA. Do you, do you feel snubbed that you weren't even listed as a nominee? Well, this is only, yeah. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't know that I have the type of clout that those guys have. We do this because it's fun and I watch too much NBA for somebody who doesn't talk about it. So it's like, hey, you're white and it's 2019. Like, you should start a bas- basketball podcast. So. Yeah, that, that's our lives. Um, best NBA related podcast goes to Dunked On. Best NBA related website as a whole. Like, if you want NBA to get your NBA fix, get some good stories, are you going? Where are you going? Good question. I picked The Athletic. How about you? Well, this is a little awkward because we do have a sponsorship with The Athletic in terms of we want to read the ads and we have a promo for them, but we did this before the ad came in. So we do genuinely think The Athletic is the best website for that. And it's a great partnership. That's why we're proud to um, promote The Athletic. Um, Should we do their ad too? I know it sounds like a conflict of interest. It sounds like this is bought, but it's true. I mean, we genuinely voted this over other sites like ESPN and the ringer and everything else. Let me, uh, Um, let me pump their tires for a second before you do the ad, but I will say that they're the best because they have the most local people. So it's like, if you want to hear what's going on with the situation in golden state, they have all the warriors beat writers in Houston. They have the Houston beat writers. Like, they have athletic DC, athletic Detroit, athletic Chicago. So I, I think they do the best job of kind of getting boots on the ground on a day-to-day basis if you want to figure out what's going on. If, so if you're just like a casual NBA fan, like, yeah, the ringer might be better because it's major stories. But if you're listening to our show, chances are you're a pretty big NBA fan. And so maybe your team's playing the Minnesota Timberwolves and you want to you want to read about Carl Anthony Towns' workout regimen. That's the, the ringer is, or I'm sorry, the athletic is the only place you're going to get stuff like that. 
Yeah. And, and I like the ringer. I actually like their content. And, um, but I mean, it's a different, it's, it's like trying to be pop culture. It's a bunch of young, you know, young writers trying to like write buzzy, um, you know, like think pieces or it's like, you know, as much as I love the ringer, it does feel like, you know, like college kids, like grad thesis, like I'm going to write 30 pages on like why the Minnesota Timberwolves are, you know, like um, a representation of nineties pop music or whatever, you know, and that's fine. I like that. I write like that too. But if you like, if you just want pure MBA, like infused into your veins, like the athletic does a better job of like actual sports content. Um, And that's why we do have, you know, a, um, that's not why unrelated actually, but we do have a promo code for you. If you visit the athletic.com backslash underdog MBA, you get 40% off a yearly subscription and that's pretty much their model. Um, you pay a little bit per month, but then in return, you get no ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos, like popping up and annoying you, you know, if you're at work or something or at school or something like that. Uh, and a lot of insiders, as you mentioned, David Aldridge, Sham, Sam Amick. Um, so, Again, go to theathletic.com backslash underdog MBA. See, this is how, in a way, it sounds like we're shills, but we're not. We're, we, if we didn't nominate ourselves for best podcast, you know we're giving you the real deal. Athletics the best MBA-related content. Yeah, I totally agree. I, like I said, it's just, you're exactly right. They've taken all these guys that are like deeply rooted inside locker rooms and, and kind of you know, interspersed them where they best fit. Whereas like the ringer, it's more national and the athletic can be both. And I think that's awesome. I think it's, it's way better in my opinion. If let's just say if the ringer had given us an ad, would you have changed your vote? I, I don't like, you know, I, I don't know. I do think some of like your, your kind of a uh, talk about it being more pop culture. I definitely agree with, and I definitely think the writing is supposed to be cooler and it's obviously it's in Bill Simmons's ilk. So like, I totally get it. I, I don't think they do a great job of covering stories quite as well they're more feature pieces whereas i think the athletic will give you both and i think that's why i like the athletic better as a journalism site doesn't mean i don't like the writers on the ringer i do think they're very good but it's just well, you know it's interesting and tying it together spreading the love around we said best mba related writer so the guy who's giving you consistently good stories and analysis is from neither the athletic neither nor the ringer currently at espn although apparently he's his contract's running out soon uh zach Lowe. i still think he's by far the best writer in the game although you you think there's more out there as well that we could have considered well you voted on him yourself that's this wasn't a category well i thought sudden- it was obvious you know it's like it's like your big debate about whether lebron's been the best player in the last decade and zach Lowe's been the best nba writer in the last decade i don't i don't i don't know that i think i don't know that i think that's true but i also didn't really have a chance that he's like the first guy you think of so that must mean his brand is very very strong Although, you know, it'll be interesting because he's, I read an article, he, he gets paid a, a good amount on ESPN and apparently his contract's running out and I'm sure, you know, the athletic and the ringer will try to lure him over. I imagine he'll stick with ESPN, but if he doesn't, I think that represents a pretty big sea change for ESPN being like, we don't really care about analysis anymore. It's more like takes. There will be a, there will be a very large bidding war for him. I do. Here's who I will say. I think Michael Lee is unbelievable. He's a national writer for the athletic. He was a wizards beat writer for a while. was a national writer for the Washington post for a while. I think Michael Lee is really, really good. He's one guy that I frequently read his stuff. Sam Amick is pretty good. I think, uh, that those are probably the other, the other two guys from the athletic that I think are pretty good. I'm sure I'm missing people. 
So, so far, this, this is like a spread out Academy Awards because ESPN has actually won two awards right now. Stephen A. Smith, Best Talking Head, Zach Lowe, Best NBA Related Writer. Are they going to win our next category? Best NBA Related TV Show. No, and this isn't close, right? Like the starters. Well, ESPN is- people got fired, right? They all got fired. Rachel Nichols has the jump. Right, the, the jump is good. You know, they, they have a lot of Kendrick Perkins these days and, and they still get like Ryan Hollins on first take and stuff, which I don't really get. Inside the NBA is just by far the best. The best. Like, those guys, chemistry is the best. We've talked about inside the NBA clips on this show a bunch. Like, it's one of the very few times that I'll stay up on a Thursday night and be like, all right, I'm going to be tired the next day because I want to see what these guys say after the West Coast games. But Barkley, Kenny Smith, Ernie's the best, you know, studio host, I think, of, in all of sports at, at what he does. And then obviously Shaq was a, a good addition. But inside the NBA to me is far and away the best. I don't think it's close. Yeah, I'm torn on the Shaq being a good addition, but I agree in general. It's, it is the only, like, show that you would watch – like I, there, there are definitely games where I'm like, ah, I missed the game, but I'll tune in just to see what they're talking about. It's it's funny actually. You said that about Shaq, like not being a great addition because he has gotten a lot better, and we've talked about this. But actually, Chris Weber was like pretty good before they had Shaq. Weber, not a good announcer, talks way too much. Much better studio guy, and unfortunately, they they replaced him with Shaq because it was a bigger name. And I think the learning curve for Shaq was a lot, but I think he has improved immensely over the last couple of years. Well, that brings us to calling games. Who's the best at calling games? NBA announcer, the play-by-play, you know, man. Who do you have? We're, we're kind of split on this. We weren't sure. Do you have a final answer? We had a disagreement. I think Kevin Harlan's the best. Har- Harlan's the one guy that I enjoy the most. I think he lets the game breathe. I think Mike Breen is really good, but I also think that Mike Breen, you know, and most people don't listen to him with the Knicks, uh, but they hear his national broadcast and he's saddled with JVG and uh, – Mark Jackson, so it's harder for him to do his job. But I, I think Kevin Harlan is the one guy that I, I very much enjoy listening to when I tune into like a national broadcast. You know, it, it's funny those like sort of like middlemen jobs or whatever, just like keeping the the game flowing. It's harder than you think. And I I don't really necessarily it, it's like a ref or something. Like to me, like if I don't notice them, I enjoy them. You know, and it's like no, all no disrespect to Marv Albert, like he he was the best. But he's like lost such his basketball now. He's like a, not even a knuckleballer that you just can't help but notice all his like flubs and stuff. But it gets awkward. It's it's, so, a, yeah, it's it's over. It's over for Marv, unfortunately. The name will continue, but I I do not listen to Marv Albert with sound anymore. I don't. Uh, but so Kevin, I'll give it to Kevin Harlan. Like that's the, the steadiest ship. You feel the most comfortable in his hands. Yeah, and he you know it's tough for him. Like he has Reggie Miller with him a lot, and so you, you got a guy that's just going to talk over you a bunch. He has Weber with him sometimes, like. So I, I think he does a really good job of, of letting that happen. So Kevin Harlan and then best color man or woman, because the guys we were really debating for this, this is like the, you know, the sidekick role, the guy chiming in as an analyst during the games. You love Hubie Brown for his vast array of knowledge. I kind of like Jeff Van Gundy still. I think he's funny. I don't mind his levity. And then Doris Burke has kind of emerged as, as a contender for this award as well. So make your case. Who, who do you want to win this? Hubie's the best, in my opinion. I, I think it's Hubie 1, Doris Burke 2. Hubie's the guy that still just explains what's going on. I think a lot of casual NBA fans don't like him because he's very, very in-depth. But if you're trying to learn about basketball, I think Hubie's the best. And I think Doris Burke tries to be like Hubie and has the same types of knowledge and like clinical knowledge of the NBA that she tries to be a color commentator like that too. I think she would be tremendous with Mike Green, but ESPN will never do that. But it it seems insane when she does the sideline for Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson who add nothing to the the broadcast. I think Jeff Van Gundy, like Mark Jackson, I hate, but Jeff Van Gundy, like I think he's funny when he needs to be like, he's never like overdoing it. 
he's not like Dennis Miller. Like, oh, you know, I think I think that's who he tries to be now, though. Like, I think because of his relationship with Mark Jackson, like they want it to seem like much more entertaining and like funny and cool. And like, I just don't think you need that. Like Jeff Van Gundy is so smart and so good at coaching basketball. Like, right. but you know love- what? Like, you know what I think is you don't give him credit for. Mark Jackson is a dud. I'm sorry. He's a, he, he's his dud. And so like, what do you do if you're the, you're in a three man booth, which is harder than a two man booth and you have a dud sitting next to you. Like, and I think, so the fact that Jeff Van Dundee tries to like get him comfortable, he's almost like a point guard, like trying, you know, trying to kick it to Andre Roberson for three. It's, it's not going to work, but he's trying, you know? And so I think I give him credit for that. I think he has a higher degree of difficulty than Hubie Brown. Who's calling like the third game of the night. And I do think Hubie Brown sometimes has mannerisms that are annoying to people. You know, he, he uses the same language. You know, like, the, what does he always say? He always like this guy right here. Or, well, I, I think that Hubie, one of the things with him is he has to, well, I think he has to be like much more focused. And Richard Deitch did a really interesting article on The Athletic, shameless plug, about Hubie's preparation and, and at his age, like how he got better after he was a coach and, and being an announcer. And I think you don't realize the amount of work that somebody like Hubie still has to put in. And I just don't see that level of like research and attention to detail from Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. But I do agree with you, Zan. I think that their jobs are different than Hubie Brown's. Like Hubie Brown, by the way, was a coach. This is, we're talking about a, co- a guy who was a coach all the way back, a head coach all the way back in 1974. Yeah. Isn't he 86 years old? And when he won the championship or the ABA championship, you know who else um, was actually really good, and they never he never really kind of got a better chance. Doug Collins was really good back in the day. A lot of energy, like very fun to listen to him call a game. Also very in depth as well. But I think that Dougie is a little bit finished with basketball. You know what I mean? But he was very good before he came back. With Hubie Brown, how old did you say think he was? I think he's eighty six, isn't he? Eighty five. Yeah, unbelievable. That's unbelievable. You know what? I'll give him. Let's give him the award for that. I, I do think Doris Burke is very good, by the way. Would you want to give it to Doris? Like, she might be the least objectionable. So, who are we going? Hubie Brown or Doris? Yeah, I want uh, Hubie Brown's the guy that, like, I most listen to as a color guy. Like, I think he's the best color commentator in terms of explaining to you what's going on in the game. I'll give it to Doris Burke just because you're too much of a basketball nerd. Um, okay. okay, next, best NBA player. We said this is another controversial one or a debated one. Best NBA player at dealing with the media. And you you like a certain guard. Which guard do you like? I think Dame Lillard does a really good job with the media. I think he's very good at both being himself, but also being like very open and honest in his answers. Obviously, he has his rap career. He He's big into fashion. I think he's gives opinions on a ton of things. I think he's very, uh, I think he's a very good leader for Portland. So Dame is the guy that's, I've been the most impressed with of late. LeBron is amazing, obviously with the media as well. Like he says some stupid things, but I think Dame in terms of broadening his national appeal from a a city like Portland that hasn't really won a ton of late. And like, obviously they went to the Western Conference finals, but I think Dame has done an unbelievable job of building his national audience through the media and all his other interests. I think he's See, I don't really hear a lot from him. I hear a lot about him. I, you know, he's media people seem to love him. I, the guy I thought of just in terms of like cultivating their image is I think Steph Curry is like, has the best sort of, you know, like, and maybe it's genuine. Like he's just a really, you know, apple pie, nice guy, but you know, with his family and his wife and just like loving the game and seeming like, you know, He's maybe not the most entertaining interview, but I mean, does anyone have like handle their image of being in the spotlight for 10 years without like a blip better than Steph Curry? He's really good. Steph Curry's really good. I would say a couple other under the radar guys we talked about him. Jared Dudley does a really good job. Andre Iguodala does a really good job. And then I put Blake Griffin on there 
not because he's like amazing with the media, but because I think he's like the funniest NBA player. I think he's, he's definitely the funniest. Yeah. And like he, he has a bunch of other interests and he's very willing to be honest with people. He has to trust you obviously, but he doesn't like mince words, you know, like he, he goes on shows and he talks, he was on Fallon the other night. He was really good. Like I, I think Blake Griffin has created a, a very good image for himself. You know, I, I could see JJ Redick being, I don't know if this, this is his goal. Cause he is into the media, but if you're gonna say best GM one day, I could see JJ Redick doing that. I could see that. I also will say this. I do think, uh, I think a guy like Carmelo Anthony with his like base of knowledge is, is going to be a, an interesting guy later on in his career, because I, I think we saw like, he's willing to be open. He's willing to be honest. He's made a ton of money. I don't know if he's like polished enough, if he wants to be like that, but we see these older guys who don't seem polished at all coming up and just getting th- like I, I, Kendrick Perkins is like garnered a ton of market share as like a talking head over the last like six months. And like, he sounds not that he sounds bad. It's just like, he doesn't do well, things. Ryan the Hollins way. is like, whatever. If we had like a ranking of like the worst talking heads, he would be towards the bottom right now. It, it's unbelievable that he gets on TV. It's amazing. Like, I don't know, do people on ESPN or Fox sports? Like they're like, Oh, Ryan Hollins said that the guy said Ray John Rondo was better than Chris Paul. Now, right now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. So we did our, you know, media categories. Now Hold on, you t- you took away best Instagram. I put that on there just to shout out Chandler, Chandler Parsons for oh, having Chandler like, Parsons. you know, supermodels on his Instagram all day. He's like the Dan Bilzerian of NBA players. <laughs> oh my god um, all right go what's the next category what's front next? office front office franchise categories and we're again we're working our way up to player stuff but um so stuff like best just simple best uniform who is the best uniform in the nba i picked uh i don't know if i don't know if you didn't agree with me or you picked the same one on this one looking at yeah, results i I picked the Bulls red jersey. I think like it's just classic. It's how we grew up with Jordan. Everybody had it. It's I think that jersey is the best. And then you also have best throwback jersey. I was relying on you because you're you're younger than me. You're hipper than me. So who's the best throwback? All right, I, I put three just because they're all kind of like different eras of basketball. I think the the literally I think the best and cleanest is Golden State uh, yellow city jersey is amazing. Now they've kind of integrated into their new logo. But the other two I really like, the purple Raptors jersey is just kind of goofy. It's like Vince Carter. It's cool. It's hip. And then the Nuggets blue skyline jersey. I like that one. See, I like that one. I don't like Golden State calling themselves the city. I mean, who refers to, I guess, San Francisco, is it? Is it the it's city? San Francisco. Or I mean, that was, that was 40 years ago, right? Anyway. Yeah, no, so- one, no one was calling them the city back then. I mean, if you're, if you're like the th- second biggest city in your state you're not the city i also do real quick shout out i I do love the sixers current blue jersey i think that's one of the cleanest looks in the league but then we had i picked best alternate i don't know if you agreed with this or not but uh i thought the miami vice alternate heat jerseys that those jerseys are sweet like those jerseys i thought were some of the best alternates we've seen in a couple years i I really like that's i i I didn't pick because i rely on you for best instagram best alternate jersey but i'm taking over for Best team name. This is the one I was actually the most excited to talk about. And Zach Lowe, our winner for best writer, did a long, like, I think he ranked every single team name. Um, And he picked Portland Trailblazers as the best name. I don't agree with that. Because I have I have some th- theories here. Do you want to hear some theories on team? Go for it. I think it needs to be um cool, of course. It needs to sound good. But it needs to, uh, in an ideal world, relate to your city in a specific way so like something like one of my contenders like minnesota timberwolves like that's cool it kind of matches minnesota i think they actually do have timberwolves up there i am not 100 sure but um 
And then also, if you can hit the perfect storm, not only is it specific to your city and it sounds cool, but it also kind of relates to basketball. So like a team like the Houston Rockets, you know, they have NASA there, Rockets applies to basketball, whether you're shooting or jumping. Um, and it sounds good. Houston Rockets. That's like the, a great team name. They probably have the best like logo that incorporates, you know, like they have the Rockets and the R and like blast off. They've had cool courts over the years too. Yeah. And, and for that reason, also, I like the Detroit Pistons because, you know, it relates to the city, of course, deep history, the motor industry. Um, and it's like a team engine roaring, you know, it kind of relates to basketball and it sounds good. Detroit Pistons, like Pistons, like that's the kind of team name. If it was like the LA Pistons, it wouldn't make any sense, but it's so specific to Detroit. It really works. And so that's why I'm giving a winner kind of controversially. I'm surprised you didn't flag this. I think the best team name is the Indiana Pacers. And Pacer comes into the city based on, you know, Indy 500 and the pace car. And it relates to basketball, not only, you know, moving up and down the court, but leading in terms of being the pace car, I guess. And it's, you know, it's like a boring franchise. So I think people would overlook that. But if it like the, L, the Los Angeles Lakers were named the Indiana Pacers, like that would be the coolest name. It's like a better name than the Boston Celtics. It's a better name than the Los Angeles Lakers. Like the franchise doesn't have the prestige, but just in terms of like nailing the name, they did it. Like the Pacers is very specific to them, feels specific to basketball. It works. It flows off the tongue. Indiana Pacers, number one. There you go. You picked the next one too, best mascot. I think I actually just forgot to write this in. You picked Benny the Bull. I would say the Phoenix Suns gorilla was probably the coolest mascot back oh, in the I day. Oh, I forgot about him. Is he still around? I don't have any idea. Probably not. It's probably not PC anymore. But uh, he was probably the coolest one back in the day. Benny the Bull's fine, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't really know a lot of mascots, honestly. I yeah, forget that. Um, unless unless we see Robin Lopez fighting them, I never really I never. Oh, really yeah, see the him. raptor has gotten a lot of it because he eats people. That's cool. That's like the best designed mascot. All right, best best owner. We ranked these. We had a, a list, and we and we ranked them. We had two people, two owners were on both of our lists, right? I had Cuban one, Balmer two. You had, I believe, Balmer. You had Balmer. Well, three, I switched. Right? Yeah, no, I had Balmer one, and so and you ranked Joe Lacob. I like the Atlanta owner, but forget those guys. I think it's really, as you mentioned, a contest between Mark Cuban and Steve Balmer. Right now, I would agree with that. I, I think they do the most in terms of putting the most money and resources into their teams. One of the things I'll say about Cuban is obviously the off the court stuff that's come out recently, like the Pete Filo stuff and the kind of culture of like sexual harassment there. Obviously he was not overlooking the HR department a ton. When we made these rankings, I was looking at it specifically from a basketball standpoint, Zan, and I, and maybe I should not have been as well. Well, I, that I think your case, I'll make a case for you from our Cuban is I do think he knows a ton about basketball. He's super in depth. He, you know, he was following the refs and following the game and just really like he's a, not only a basketball fan, like he's a forward thinking basketball fan, which probably at least, you know, maybe the other owners are as well and they're just not as vocal, but um, he certainly does know that. And I think he even admittedly said that he, you know, at first he was a little more hands on and, and kind of like too involved and he's kind of learned to take a you know step back and let basketball people handle some of the more important basketball stuff or the more nuanced basketball stuff. I think Steve Ballmer I like the most because he came in like guns blazing in the same way with that same side of enthusiasm. Um, but I also like, I mean, look, if you're saying the best owner, like who gives their team the best chance of winning? I think it's Steve Ballmer. He's like probably the richest, right? He is definitely the richest. Yeah, and, definitely the richest. And he's committed to the team. You know, I don't think he's doing it for profit. 
I mean, he, uh, he's didn't moving. he outbid the next team for the Clippers like by like 500 million? Like he, he bought them for $2 billion. And like, I want to say that like people were like the Clippers were going to sell for like 1.3 billion or something. And Ballmer was like, I want this team. I like, I think Ballmer literally would give like a billion dollars to win a title. And like, I, there's certain teams like the Lakers or whoever, like they just don't have that luxury. Like they don't have that. But also, I, Cuban, I think it bothers me a little bit in terms of just like, like attention seeking and like trying to paint himself as this like Donald Trump, like, you know, genius businessman. Well, he does not like Donald Trump. We will talk about, we can talk about that. He doesn't but- like Donald Trump, but he like models his whole career after him. Um, so I don't know that little kind of bugs me, but I, I did rank him in the top. Uh, I had him second despite the sexual harassment in the in one of the, the things one of the things i'll say about cuban too is that he has had some incidents with like the chandler parsons thing where like he you think he wants to be friends with his players but everybody that plays in dallas talks about how he takes care of the players and the coaching staff talks about it too like if you need anything and you support why you need it he will get it for you there are no you know and i think that's one of the reasons why the sticker shock of steve Ballmer is like donald sterling's the owner so like with Ballmer, it's like well, he'll get you whatever you need to. Like, he's going to build a stadium and, like, the Clippers are going to be their own entity. And, he, you know, right now he gets Kawhi and Paul George. And, like, he's – he. I think he was the one that kind of stripped Doc Rivers of, like, the president title as well, which was very smart of him to do. So I just think those two guys, I agree with you, Zan. Like, so, so we have, according to our rankings, if you did, like, average ranking, Cuban's slightly ahead. But would you agree with me that the, the off-the-court sort of rancid front office stuff maybe most puts Walmart ahead? Well, I just don't. You don't care. You don't care about women's safety in the workplace. No, you're speaking about two different. You're speaking about how does he run it as a business, and I'm speaking about it like how does his operation impact the basketball court? Because it's two different things. You don't think it matters. So, are you on record saying that women are in the basketball organization to bring you coffee and have their? No, and he and he doesn't say that either. My point is though, like he's the CEO, and we don't know what goes on behind the scenes with Steve Ballmer either. We just know that the Maverick stuff has come to light. What I'm talking about is. How does he help your basketball team win games? And I think he does that better than anybody. And obviously they've had some... I think Ballmer does better. But I, well, you, I, can't, you, know... you, you can't say that, though. Steve Ballmer has zero NBA titles. Like, Mark Cuban has also been the GM of his team as well. Like, the, the, what Mark Cuban does as both the owner and like president of basketball like operations... <laughs> it's, I'm not saying it is a good thing. But what I'm saying is he has clearly taken the Mavs from, like, what was a small market team and a large market to a massive big market success. And I don't, and, and Ballmer obviously is in LA. It's a little bit different. Like he has some regional things that really help him out as well. Plus he has more money. But I, I think that like what Ballmer's impact is being seen as more like he's not Donald Sterling, whereas Cuban has sort of built the Mavericks in his own image. And Ballmer, it's just like, I, I think kind of like the gap between the two of them and why they're viewed the way they are is a lot of recency bias in terms of what's happened with the Clippers this summer. Well, I'll give you, you know what? And you also, I'll give it to you for Cuban for two reasons. For one, that's true. And, and Cuban's enthusiasm for the team, you know, hasn't waned in over how long is he on the team? 15 years. And so who knows what Ballmer will be like in 10 years? Uh, he might sell the team for a profit and, and cash out. Um, Highly doubt that based on how competitive that guy seems like. Um, and the other reason I'll give it to you is you game the system. You snuck Ballmer to third. So technically Cuban would win based on our averages because you had Joe Lake up number two for some reason. I just think that I just think that one of the things with Ballmer is it's very hard to rate him the second best owner 
without any actual results. I think that's really tough. But I mean, that's presuming that owners, I mean, owners put yourself in a position to win. It's hard to realize. I think, I think ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the NBA. If you have a bad owner or an owner who doesn't care, your team is probably not going to be successful. And I think that's just the bottom line. And I do think the Clippers will be successful. That's why I ranked them so high to begin with, like ahead of a guy like Peter Holt, who, you know, has been the owner of the Spurs over top of, you more know, titles, more titles exactly. than Mark Cuban. But he just is more hands off. I picked guy. I wanted to pick guys that I think have their fingertips on what happens on the basketball side. Whereas I don't think Peter Holt does that. I think he just signs checks. You know. Yeah, and that's why I didn't rank Peter Holt. Like he, he's a guy who would win a lot of these lists. Um, but I don't know if he. I think he did, he gets out of the way, which is good. That's a good right. default and, position for an and, owner. And I think Mickey Aronson does. Aronson does that as well. Like he's yeah, a good that, owner. That's good. But, that's better than being like too hands on. But I do think Cuban and Balmer are giving you a little added extra and maybe not as much as you seem to think, but I, I think it does add something. So let's get to coach because th- there's a ton of good candidates here. Um, we each ranked five. Some guys that, um, Oh, do you want to go to GM first? We could do GM. Let's go quick. Let's go quick on GM. Cause I had a question for you. Uh, we both ranked Masai number one. I think that kind of speaks for itself. Like guy takes a big shot. It works out. I would say that RC Buford is not on your list, which I think is kind of interesting because well, he has- let's go through it. Let's say it's so guys, some guys that were not ranked because there's a lot of good GMs. David Griffin didn't get any votes, top five votes. Sean Marks has done a great job. Um, did not, I considered him. Um, Pat Riley didn't get any. What do you think of that? Yeah. One reason I, I just think Miami's just obviously like LeBron, it's been really good and he's been able to kind of attract stars, but I haven't really been super impressed with Pat Riley outside of like you got LeBron to team up like he got Dwayne Wade they drafted him they developed him did a great job switched to Spolstra that obviously worked out but like Miami's been pretty boring the last couple years hasn't been able to do like what Pat Riley does which is get stars to come there so I don't think that he's done a great job of building a team because I don't think he's been able to attract stars of late so we'll see Jimmy Butler maybe they win a title probably not but (laughs) probably not Riley very Uh Riley very good great history of success I just think that at this point I don't think he's done a top five job so the guys, the two guys that were ranked on both our ballots, top five ballots, Masai, we both ranked number one. Is that recency bias? I don't know. I, I think he's just shown a great ability to define talent, build teams, you know, take the risks when necessary. I mean, like he, even if they didn't win the title this year, I still might have ranked him number one. I, I think that him and the guy that I ranked number two, my guy, Daryl Morey, have shown the best ability to both scout and continue to keep flexibility to keep your team competitive for a long time. And I think that's the key. It's not like Sam Presti who like, and David Griffin, for example, like who just made these awesome trades for lots of picks. It's like guys who have been like willing to take risks and build their team in different images. And, and, you know, well, that's why I have more. He was the other guy on both our list. I ranked him only fourth though, because I'm, I'm just wondering, he made this amazing trade for James Harden. He saw in James Harden, something that, most others didn't see the idea that his efficiency would translate con this superstar mvp candidate um great move besides that you know this is a guy who's arguably the best player in the nba we can get into that later who's never made the finals so you know with houston um has he done enough other than the James Harden move to justify. This is where I think general managers get a terrible rap. And obviously, like I said, when this, if this thing doesn't work out with Russell Westbrook, he's getting fired. It doesn't really matter. He's getting another job. You, can't contr- you can only control your team. And I truly believe that Daryl Morey has done as good of a job maximizing his team's talents and abilities 
respective to the rest of the league. Like, I think that's the deal here. Like, it's not his fault that, like, Golden State got – like, we can talk about, like – Right, but it is his fault for signing Carmelo Anthony and, you know, not solving the – They cut Carmelo forward. Anthony. They they cut – they signed him to the minimum. They cut him 11 games into the season. Like, what do you what do you want to say about that? Like, that was – I mean, they're, they're, he's done some definite – he's made some definite mistakes, as has everybody. But, like, you have Bob Myers, number two on the list. I have Bob Myers number two because I think. So let's talk well, about that for a second. Hold on. If if Milwaukee decided they wanted Steph Curry instead of Monta Ellis, then Golden State doesn't exist. That's true. Like Bob Myers is a good GM. They made the decision to fire Mark Jackson and get a better coach in. But like, but if Messiah, like everyone, like there are sliding doors with all this. Like Messiah apparently like wanted to tank when he traded Rudy Gay, and then the team stayed pretty good, so they decided to roll it out. So th- there's different twists to fate. Bob Myers is like his. I don't know, maybe the Kevin Durant injury thing kind of taints him a little bit, but I mean, he's managed to cobble together this like winning organization and, you know, they have, none of their guys are like, you know, they didn't win the lottery three years in a row to land the super team. They, you know, they drafted guys um, who turned out to be superstars and convinced another superstar to join them, um, hired well, a great no, coach. No, I mean, no, they got incredibly lucky in the sense that they were able to be really good and have Steph Curry on this like unbelievable deal when the salary cap jumped up and the rest of the owners didn't vote to smooth the cap. I mean, that's not Bob Myers being like amazing at his job. That's like the other owners being idiots. And then, but he left. took advantage of that. So, and the, the guy that you have third RC Buford from, from the Spurs and we're calling these guys GMT. Not everyone's listed as a GM. You said he recently uh, took an elevated role with the Spurs. The reason I didn't rank RC Buford, you know, the resume speaks for itself, but I just have a hard time, you know, if we're doing the Academy Awards, it's like, you know, like when Titanic wins the Academy Award, it wins, you know, best cinematography, best costume design, best production design, best director. Sometimes you get the sweeps where it's like, are the, is everyone in the Spurs organization the best at their job? Or is it just Popovich? You know, like, how do you separate the two? I, I think you have to pick one or the other. And I, I leaned more to Popovich than R.C. Buford, but I don't know. We're not, I'm not in the building. I mean, they've, they've, you know, the two, two of the building blocks of their entire dynasty were second round picks. So, or I guess Tony Parker was a late first round pick, but they got Manu late in the, you know, in the fifties, I think like he was the 58th or 59th pick or whatever. And obviously he's going to end up being a hall of famer. They've consistently drafted and found guys later in the draft. They've found free agents that have come in and become pretty good for them. They've always managed to keep the ship afloat. Like he made the deal for George, he traded George Hill for Kawhi Leonard. Like, I think it's really hard to ignore the, the RC Buford's fingerprints. And then another thing too I, is like, I, I'll give you that. So I, if, if I was re-ranking, cause I, he has a longer history than, than Myers certainly. So if we said Masai, more to RC number three, um, but some, talk about some other candidates that we considered. You had Presti number four. I like Presti. I didn't rank him. I mean, he's just drafted really well. I think Connolly, Connolly, maybe for Denver, we're talking about here. Maybe Connolly is a little bit too much of like what Masai did, but he's been able to make that team better and and stay. Like I said, if they want to make a big move, they can do it. I don't know if they want to do it. It'll be really interesting to see what he feels like when they've reached their ceiling. But again, like late round guys, Gary Harris later in the draft. The one big stain is that they traded Donovan Mitchell for Trey Lyles. That obviously did not work out, but like. You know, I, I think everybody's going to have mistakes, but I think Connolly's done a really good job of building Denver into a team that you can see winning a title, which you could not see before. I'm curious as to Dennis Lindsay. Yeah, I had I had Dennis Lindsay from Utah, number three, and I think he is also not the GM anymore in in, in title. But I mean, Utah, and talk about degree of difficulty. This is not like being the GM of like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Knicks here. Like, you know, how do you get talent to Utah? Um, 
Rudy Gobert, what pick was he? 20 in the 20s. 22, 20, 27, 27, sorry. Donovan Mitchell was, you know, late lottery. And I was high on Donovan Mitchell. I did not see him being like this type of player. Um, Joe Ingles, you know, you pluck him up and, and find like this discovered, like if not a gem, just like a little piece of bronze or something. Um, nailed the coaching hire, Quinn Snyder. I mean, like, what else can this guy do? Did he nail the coaching hire? I really like Quinn Snyder, but like, do we know if Quinn Snyder's won the guy to take them to win a title? I mean, that, that's the thing. I think Dennis Lindsay's done a great job, and I do think Utah is going to be awesome this year. He's built through a lot of different ways. They go out and get Mike Conley, like he sees that that's what they need. Traded George Hill, even though they had a good year. Like, I think Dennis Lindsay's good. I don't know that I think Dennis Lindsay is like a top five GM though. Well, because he's he's anonymous. You just don't care about Utah. But I like I mean, his like, interviews. I like the stuff I hear from him. Like I yeah, think he's he just smart. seems like a he just seems like a reasonable basketball man. You know, like I, I, he's not you know getting the headlines. But I think that's okay. I don't mind that aspect. I guess the um, other guy I'm curious about, like you put Danny Ainge on there, and like how much how how good of a GM is Danny Ainge? He won a title. Like he's been there a long time. But like it feels like the Celtics had a big opportunity. And I know the Kyrie thing didn't work out, and that was like lauded at the time. But it, it kind of feels like the Celtics maybe missed their window. And I is that Danny Ainge's fault or is it Brad Steve? I don't know. I'm asking why you ha- you thought he was fifth. That's why I didn't rank him. That's why, like ranking him fifth, you could say that's too high. But I think if you did this poll or awards like two years ago, he might have been one or two. He might have been one. Yeah, exactly. Set them up for such a great opportunity, and um, I agree that that's why I downgraded him to five because he didn't totally take advantage of it. No, I, it's it's interesting. He definitely is a good GM, but how good of a GM I think is pretty questionable. Like, but that one trade, like I was looking, at, I was writing something about the the Nets, and talk about cashing in your chips right at the right time. Like the Kevin Garnett thing was amazing. Like his last year, Kevin Garnett played well in Boston. His final year there, he's an All Star. You know, fifteen points a game, um, you know, eight rebounds a game. Still a productive player. And the next year, he just dropped like a rock. He trades him to the Nets, and he was just completely washed. He averaged six points a game and, and like couldn't, you know, terrible efficiency stats. They were, he dropped from 53% true shooting to 40, uh, below 47% in this, in one year. I, I think, I think Danny Ainge deserves credit for, especially being one of the first guys to be like, let's, let's spread these picks out. Like, let's get picks later on. Like, let's cash in later. But everyone always talked about summer of 2016, summer of 2018. And, you know, he fleeced, I mean, he fleeced the Sixers too. Like by all accounts, they had Jason Tatum number one on their board right. and he got and that's an extra- a big deal. And like, Mark, and I, I don't think he knew that Tatum would be that great, but he saw something in Mark, Mark Alfols that was a red flag. And, 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 and how great Tatum's going to be, I think is all relative to be totally honest. We don't know the answer to that yet. But he passed on that. I, uh, you know what? I might have to move him up now that we're talking about that. I forgot about the Fultz thing. I mean, talking about a guy who was the consensus number one pick, how often do people pass on that? I, I don't agree that he was the, con- I mean, I, I think like it was a bad draft too. Like I don't want there to be. I, I had Josh Jackson number one. So, right. But my, my point is again, with Danny Ainge, like he, has you know kind of done the bill belichick thing where it's like you you just keep yourself as flexible as possible take as many bites of the apple as you can or whatever the stupid cliche is and you know i think we thought the Celtics going to be really good for a while and they may be better without Kyrie, but i think we both agree that this team probably cannot win an nba title not right now at least. i mean i don't know maybe if everything breaks it hasn't totally worked out but i i think you know it's like mark cuban you know why mark cuban's considered a business genius is because he like cashed in his janky ass website at the right time right when he get five bubble. 5.7 billion on broadcast.com yeah and then and then it crashed and so ainge gets credit for 
selling high at the right time again and again. We're talking about, you know, Kevin Garnett, right? When he still had value, he's selling Markel Fultz when he had a lot of value. I think selling Isaiah Thomas when he had a lot of value or relative. Didn't value. sell, didn't sell Kyrie Irving. Miss, misjudged. Obviously, it, it sounds like there was no chance Kyrie Irving was staying and he knew it and he didn't sell Kyrie Irving. And then also seems like he misjudged Al Horford, like he thought Horford was going to stay. They were going to be able to work out a deal, and then Horford left, and then he sounded a little sour grapes in the media, right? Like I, I don't know. Yeah, Again, like if if you know Leonardo DiCaprio has a bad movie, is he a bad actor? It's a one one bad year. No, and I'm, I don't even think it's necessarily like I'm not trying to be hard on Danny Ainge. Like he is very clearly one of the ten best GMs, if not one of the five best. But I do think like it's time to start talking about uh, some things that maybe didn't work out for Danny Ainge because, like you said, for the longest time, for three or four years, everyone was like, "Oh my God, Danny Ainge is just running circles around the NBA. Like, why are people trading with Danny Ainge?" And it's like, I don't well, know. That, that, you know? That, that's a good transition to best coach because if we did this three years ago, two years ago, the golden boy would be Brad Stevens, and um, we ranked five coaches each. Brad Stevens did not make anyone's ballot. I- can I have some credit for a second? I don't toot my own horn often, but I all year said I, Brad Stevens is not a great offensive coach, and I think we need to start talking about it. And I think it was pretty clearly obvious this year, like he couldn't get his pieces to fit together. Yeah, with with Kyrie Irving having a good year. Um, other people who didn't get it, Quinn Snyder, you know, didn't get it, missed out. Eric Spolstra didn't get on our ballot. It's kind of a near miss. That's the biggest one. I That's the one I struggled with the most at five. I really like Eric Spolstra. I think the culture stuff is really good. I think his players really like him. He's hard. He's professional. I think he prepares other coaches well as well. But yeah, I couldn't do it. I just, not enough success without LeBron, you know? Yeah, and, and that's, that's a team last year that probably should have made the playoffs and didn't. Um so th- interesting, we ranked five people. We both agreed, unanimous pick, Popovich, the number one coach. I think that's hard to argue against, right? Even now. Um, coming in number two on our ballot, at least with Steve Kerr, you had him three, item two. So there's some consensus there. I, uh, I actually meant to, this is, this is not like, this is just me being lazy. Like I meant to switch him back to two. I, I felt like it was very hard to rank Nick Nurse two after I yeah, kind of went that, back that and was looked like at your it. Big, your big controversy was you Nurse number two. I didn't rank Nurse just because of the, you know, sample size. I meant to put Nurse four, and I didn't actually switch it. So that would change the rankings. I was going to have Steve Kerr too. I, I think his ability to manage egos and understand kind of the way the NBA plays is very good. I think he is not great at running rotations in games. I think he doesn't make adjustments as well as other people do. But I think overarching, like being the CEO for a team of a ton of tough personalities. I think he's very good at that, and I think you can't take that away from him. That's why I think he's probably the second-best guy. But I do not think he's the second-best in-game coach, Sam. Far from it. Everyone has qualities that are good and bad, and I think his obviously the good outweighs the bad. Um, but he's not a perfect coach. And I think Nick Nurse, you know, in terms of in-game adjustments, in terms of like actual you know, 48 minutes of coaching is quite good. It's just more like, can we see everything else come together? Um, if he does what he's doing now for five years, but like I just felt uncomfortable ranking Nurse too high, and suddenly Toronto wins thirty-five games next year, and people forget about Nurse, which could definitely happen. But I think like this year, his adjustments, the way they played in the playoffs, how prepared they were to play, manage Kawhi Leonard low throughout the year, like get Marcus Saul and integrate him. It was yeah. like an Odell Beckham rookie year, just like burst onto the scene. Like to to me, he did everything you you want to see a coach do. Like he he was quicker to adjust. He took more chances. Like. He leaned on his star players. He, he knew what he was doing. Like he buried guys in the rotation that couldn't play. I thought he did an awesome job. And I think it's really hard to not say that like 
this year alone, like if you stacked them all, he might be, have been the best coach in the NBA this year. Honestly, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, for this year, and then the other one guy that made both our ballots, Rick Carlisle. You had him four, I had him three. He's just, you know, hasn't had a lot of talent lately. But I mean, I don't like how good of a coach he is. We might be giving Carlisle a little too much credit, but one of the things is his teams always play hard. They always run really crisp stuff. Like I don't know, maybe he. I, it'll be interesting to see now what he does with Luca and, and KP. Cause I would say that a guy who's had a lot of leeway with Mark Cuban in the past probably doesn't have as much as he's had. So we will see what he does with more younger guys. But I, I think Carlisle great in game X's and O's guy. And that's also why I had Terry Stotts on there as well, because I think that he had him fifth. Um, and then I had two veterans, doc rivers, just giving them some credit for it. Also the good thing about doc, I would say um, certainly put pros and cons, but Players seem to like him, and he drew in two stars. I don't think that's a coincidence that they were lining up. Totally to agree. Players. Totally agree. I had Coach Bud fifth. Just you know, I just can't get over the playoff stuff, man. Yeah, I, it's like I and and maybe you know he he's got to learn. And same thing with having a young team in Milwaukee. But like, man, it's twice in a row they've gone to the finals, and and the one year was against LeBron. But this year, like, they were better than Toronto, man. Like, I don't care, they were better, and they just fell off a cliff. It, it's just like. I don't get and it. Atlanta was always better in the regular season. Um, one another guy we didn't rank, Mike D'Antoni. You know, in terms of career wins, he's right. He's I think third. I really like Mike D'Antoni, and he you know winning percentage better than Terry Stotts, better than uh, Quinn Snyder, better than a lot of guys. Mike Buttonholzer, better than better than Rick Carlisle. I do think he was the key to unlocking like how much better Houston could be. Like I think like. Whereas like Kerr was the perfect guy for Golden State, like I do think D'Antoni was the perfect coach for James Harden. And so interestingly enough, I think he did a great job this year when they obviously had less horses than in the years past. So it'll be very interesting to see what he does this coming season with him and Westbrook. But D'Antoni probably a little bit underrated, especially in terms of him bringing back spread, pick and roll to the NBA. I mean, really, he was the first guy to do it. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like it's, we got to look at like context and how, what talent you're working with. Like, like a guy like Steve Clifford, 48% win percentage, but he's had some bad teams. He's a good coach, man. Clifford can coach, but it's like you stink in Charlotte. Like James Borrego, we may not know if that guy's ever a good coach because he's had two terrible chances at it. So like, who knows? But but it's a little note that I thought was funny. Um, so you have great coaches like Mike Budenholzer, Rick Carlisle, um, you know, Brad Stevens, Terry Stotts, Eric Spolstra, Quinn Snyder, the two guys with better records than them in terms of their total wins, Billy Donovan, 61% winning percentage and Ty Lue, 61% unemployed Ty Lue. Let's, uh, let's go to the top 10 players. We had some other stuff, but we've, we've gone very, very long and this is going to take a little bit longer than we expect. The one thing I did want to point out, I, I, I wanted to, uh, I had best screener on here. Just wanted to let everybody know. Rudy Gobert, three years in a row, led the NBA in screen assists. Thought that was a pretty interesting stat. Well, uh, let, me, let me give you a quick, I'll run through your, this is our Tyler skill set. We won't debate him. Best passer, Jokic. Best handle, Kyrie. Well, I had Harden as the best guard passer. I thought I split it because I think it's too, it, it's hard to compare both guys. But I had Harden as the best passer at a guard spot. And Jokic is the best big. Waffle. More waffles than IHOP over there. Um, Best defender interior, you had Embiid over Gobert. Paul George, best perimeter defender, best dunker, Derek Jones Jr. Upset. Um, best shooter, Steph Curry. Uh, waffling, best spot-up shooter, Clay Thompson. I would, I would, I would rather... It's it's different. Clay Thompson corner three, like give me that all day. But Steph Curry, like off the bounce, whatever, like it's unbelievable. And Rudy Gobert, best screener, best player over thirty five. We both ranked JJ Redick, who is thirty five, beats Andre Iguodala. Best player under twenty five. Do you want to talk about? We were kind of split on. I was kind of surprised, real quick. 
I was kind of surprised real quick uh, about how many, how few players there were 35 and over just for the record. Yeah, it is. It shows you LeBron and Chris Paul are 34 and like, usually that's pretty much the wall. That's it. Yeah. And so JJ Redick and Andre Iguodala are pretty much the only players over 35 that are like still really good players or even positive players. Yeah. Uh, best, uh, best, you said best player under 25. We kind of joked about this a little bit because Giannis and Joe and Jokic are both 24. So it really didn't make sense. Those guys are very clearly one and two, but so it was more interesting for best player 23 and under. We each ranked one guy. Uh, I had Ben Simmons as the best player 23 and under. You had Carl Anthony Towns. You love Cat. That's just kind of the bottom line. I worry I, about. I'll tell you, like, I almost rank Carl Anthony Towns in the top 10 overall. I, I just think his skill set is just so unique. I mean, offensively. And I feel like there's some recency bias against him because remember, this is a guy who. Well, how could it be recency bias when he had the best stretch of his career with Ryan Saunders last year? It's like Denver, we've talked about, and we'll talk about Jokic some more. But like, I was like, oh my God, Denver, Jokic is so good. Denver's so good. Last year, they missed the playoffs to Minnesota. And so, like, one year later, suddenly we act like Carl Anthony Towns can't win. Um, and Jokic is like the backbone of like this great dynasty or future title winner. Well, Carl Anthony Towns couldn't play with the best player on his team and they didn't win because of that. And they're not going to make the playoffs. I would be surprised if they make the playoffs this year, whereas Denver has a chance. To well, win that, that's games. just like an extraordinary uh, degree of awful <laughs> management because Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, it's just, it's, he's ridiculous. I he mean, doesn't defend. He doesn't, he doesn't defend average below average defender, but just a center who shoots 40% from three is just, I don't think I've seen that. I mean, like everyone's tries to stretch to the court. He's like the only center who's actually good at it. I, I would say you're right in the sense that like management hasn't done as good of a job building a team around Carl Towns. But I would also say that one of the, that, that he's harder to build around because his personality is a little bit different. Like very clearly a max guy. I think Ben Simmons can play with more people. Obviously the Embiid stuff is very odd just because their fit is kind of goofy. But Simmons is the one guy that if I could get him off a team and build a team specifically around him, that I would be most excited to have under 24. Like Giannis is, Giannis is obviously. You think Carl Anthony Towns, arguably the best offensive center in the league, is harder to build around than Ben Simmons? Correct. Because I don't think you win a game. You don't win a game with the center being, you don't win with the center being your best player unless he plays very differently. And he, like Jokic is an actual playmaker. Like you can play through him. You really, you don't really play through Carl Towns. Like he scores and he rebounds, but like he also isn't keeping your offense free flowing. Like the offense sort of ends with him. Same, same thing with Embiid, who I do think is better than Towns. But Simmons is the one guy where, like, if you take him, it's like, all right, you have a high usage wing. Yes, the shooting is a concern, but, like, he could average a triple-double. Like, he can guard the other team's best player. Like, If if you could pick up, like, 3 and D guys at the supermarket, then Russell Westbrook would be great and and Ben Simmons would be great. Um, I just think it's easy. It's harder to find those guys than than – It's not. It's not. It's absolutely not, though. Like, there are plenty of guys – How's Oklahoma City doing (laughs) offensively? They, they had a bunch of terrible contracts. The point is, if you're taking one guy and building the team around him, like it's, and they're not the same guy. Ben Simmons is 6'10". Like, Simmons is, is as close of a guy to like LeBron as there has been in the league. Like, and I think like when you, if you have a chance to pick one of those guys to build a team and see who's going to win, the archetype of Ben Simmons can do it, whereas we haven't seen Carl Towns, a guy like Carl Towns, lead a team to a title. Can he do it? Yeah, maybe. I'm not super optimistic about it. I'm not. Well, I, you know, that's interesting because I, I agree that Ben Simmons could be in a, could thrive even more than he does in a different situation. But so when we talk about best player, neither guy made our top 10. Um, we're talking about like right now, it's not like Luka Doncic might be the best player in two or three years, but we're not projecting growth. We're saying like right now, where's your skill level? Um, 
do you want to talk like each of our ballots or do you want to say like the consensus? Right. Just, just to be clear for one second, I would pick Ben Simmons over Carl Towns. But if you're using that kind of analysis, I do know, I do think that in his current situation, Towns is better than Ben Simmons. I think Simmons is a better prospect than Carl Towns. Like I, I, if, yeah, I could understand that. I, I disagree, but I understand the logic. If, like, if we were going to rank like one to 15, like I would have Towns ahead of Simmons today. But if we were like, pick a, pick a guy. I don't want to over rely on true shooting, but Carl Anthony Towns has had three seasons above 61% true shooting and he is 23 years old. Um, That's great. He's made the playoffs one year and he, the, the guy that was the best player on his team didn't want to play with him. Like that's a problem, Zan. Like I, I, we know Jimmy Butler's a jerk and people don't want to play with Jimmy, but like, how are you building around Carl Towns, especially if you can't get Andrew Wiggins out of there? Well, I mean, that's the, that's the problem. I mean, you know, I, I'm not blaming Carl Anthony Towns for Andrew Wiggins. But, we, but we've, had, we've had stretches of seasons where Towns looks like the best player in the NBA and other stretches of seasons where it looks like he's not interested and, and not a guy you can build around. I think Carl Anthony Towns, if he was on a different team, you know, if he somehow landed on a different franchise and they built around him, like he'd be a guy we're talking about for all NBA. He'd be a guy who I mean, has... You're going to talk about that with him anyway. But he may, he may very well end up being LaMarcus Aldridge, where he's just like a, a really good player on an average to below average team for a lot of years. That's just the bottom line. Like he could be Kevin Love. But he's probably LaMar- better than LaMarcus Aldridge has made the playoffs like how many years in a row? LaMarcus Aldridge is a really good player. And, and so is Carl Anthony Towns. But my point is, I don't, when you're talking about like who can win a title, I, like I said, I, I don't believe in Carl Anthony Towns long term as the best player on a title winning team. Well, that's a high, that's a high bar. That's a high bar. Right, but yeah, okay, all right. Um, and I, I agree. I think I would argue that <sighs> Towns is better now than than Lamarcus Aldridge has ever been, and maybe defensively you could argue, but just in terms of like the difference between being able to shoot threes and shooting a lot of mid range jumpers, it's just it's different. It's hard because the prime of I think it's tough to say that. I don't necessarily disagree. I, I just am kind of want to qualify that. I think that prime of Lamarcus's career was in a time where people valued stuff like mid-range right. jump shots. So, you know, he was such a good shooter in high school and coming out of Texas. Like if somebody was just going to make him a three-point shooter to begin with, I think they could have. But then it kind of like his personality was like, I don't want to shoot threes. But, but it, it seems like he would be a fairly decent three-point shooter if he wanted to be. He just is stubborn now, you know. But LaMarcus was a really good player for a no, lot of for years. Sure. For sure. And uh, underrated, I think, still historically. And because people, especially, I think in 20 years, are going to look back and be like, oh, this guy, you didn't shoot that well, true shooting or whatever. Like, it, I think you're right. Like, you know, Carmelo and, and Aldridge, like the, being able to hit mid-range shots used to be considered very valuable. Michael Jordan did a lot of mid-range shots. Kobe did a lot of mid-range shots. That was sort of the way they were trained to play. Well, the new like kind of NBA media, like they, they do undervalue Kobe, even though he was in, in relation to his era, he was pretty efficient honestly like no he's not as efficient as like Steph Curry or LeBron but like the way those guys play is very different than you know Kobe played in the triangle and just like Michael Jordan as well and so it's kind of unfair that like he gets compared to Michael Jordan the best player of all time and then the other guy is LeBron who is probably the second best player of all time maybe statistically the best player of all time and then you're kind of sandwiched in the middle even though you're in your own right one of the best let's get to the big award you know the big award of the night Best player in the NBA. And, and this is hard for this reason, because we just said like we're ranking their value without projecting ahead. And so what do you do about arguably the best player who's probably gonna miss next year? Kevin. Let's Durant. do it. Let's do it this way. We we had the same we had nine of the same players on our list. Let's talk about the one difference we had first. Okay, you want to talk about the bottom of the list? We you know, if top eight was the same for both of us. Yeah. Just um, mixed around. Yeah, mixed around. 
top nine, I guess. You ranked Dame Lillard nine. I did not rank Damian Lillard. I ranked Joel Embiid 10. And I'm assuming you didn't rank Embiid because he is a very large injury risk, whereas Damian Lillard will play a billion minutes every single year and be productive. Yeah, so like the guys that didn't make either of our ballots, um, Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Rudy Gobert didn't make any ballot, your buddy Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, uh, Russell Westbrook didn't make anyone's top 10. Um, and Kyrie Irving didn't. And the reason I ranked Lillard over somebody like Kyrie Irving, whom I like a lot, is is like you said, durability. I mean, Lillard just chugs it out 80 games a year. And I think that has a lot of value. And, and again, I think he's, in my opinion, I, I even try to put best leader as like a superlative, but I think it's very difficult. But I think the culture that Lillard has created and cultivated in Portland is not something to sneeze at. His teammates seem to love him. Like, he is unquestionably the leader. He's made a ton of big shots in his career. Like, Lillard is awesome. And he's improved every single year. I worry about his ability to guard. I worry about how difficult it seems for him to play against other elite offensive guards. That's why I ranked Embiid. I think I think Embiid, when healthy and capable of chugging out 35 minutes a game, is, I don't know, one of the five best players in the NBA just in terms of both sides of the court. I only ranked him 10th because I just worry about how many games he can play, and I know he can only play 60. I understand your point. Like, so if you were saying, like, hey, we're getting him for – a game or we're getting in for the playoffs or whatever you would put a bead like top six probably right it's unbelievable like think about this if the guy doesn't get like diarrhea and have like a cold in the playoffs and they beat toronto maybe they win the nba title and people are talking about Embiid as one of the three best players in the nba like people talk about Kawhi now you know but like i look at it different like i i'm more much more of like a durability guy like i i, I was looking at it like this the ranking the best player like you give me this guy for next year regular season hopefully the playoffs too I just don't trust Embiid. Like, that's why, like, I, I, you know, we didn't rank Rudy Gobert. We didn't rank Carl Anthony Towns. But, like, with those guys, I know what I'm getting. And I don't like, like, the, the uncertainty of a guy who's played less than 50% of his games in the NBA. I, I will say this. I think Embiid is a good bit better than both of those guys. Uh, I think Jokic is a very interesting comparison for him because he is better offensively than Embiid by a good margin. He is also way worse defensively than Embiid by a good margin, but he plays more minutes and he played a ton of minutes in the playoffs. So like, that's the only reason why I had Jokic ahead of Embiid, because I do think the difference between their offensive and defensive games, I think Embiid is a better defender than Jokic is better than him offensively, if that makes sense. Well, and that, that kind of goes to our, like our next tier up, you know, the guys who finished tied for eighth and ninth. Um, we could debate this, I guess. You had Jokic seventh. I had Jokic 10th. So you're a little higher on him. Um, and contrastingly, I had Paul George eighth and you had him ninth. So if you combine those two rankings, they tie basically. So convince me that Jokic is better than Paul George. I worry about Paul George's shoulder. I also really am concerned about Paul George's ability to kind of carry a team. I think that when he's been in like the alpha alpha role, he has not been as successful. Whereas I do think Denver has tailored their game around Jokic. I think George is I ranked. I think he's the best perimeter defender in the NBA right now. Uh, the havoc he causes with deflections and being able to block shots and keep guys in front is unbelievable. I don't know if the shooting is sustainable, whereas I think Jokic is going to be fine. He's also younger. He's, he, he can play more minutes. I'm not necessarily worried about little nagging injuries, whereas with Paul George, like it does feel like we have some injury concerns with him as well. Uh, I also think George needs somebody to get him the ball much more than people realize. I'm a little bit wary of how he's going to fit in LA without a true, true point guard. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can maintain his production without an elite passer getting him the ball like Russell Westbrook. So that's the only reason why I thought he was slightly worse. 
I think, see, I think you're looking ahead with the shoulder injury a little bit. I, well, I, I mean, it legitimately, co- I, I mean, it cost him late, I guess. Yeah, he got it. But I think, Paul, if you're, if you're like an alien who flew down from outer space and like, I'm going to catch this one season of the NBA, then I'm going to get out of here, go back to Mars. You would rank Paul George as like a top eight player, I think. I mean, just you said he's the best perimeter defender. Shot really well. That's the guy you could just plug and play anywhere. I like that about him. Um, I guess I would say that he was the best perimeter defender I thought this year, I still think in a one game sample, if I need to stop anyone in the NBA, I'm going to pick Kawhi other than Paul George. Yeah. But I think George brings it every night. I, I love how competitive he is. It's, it's awesome. I really do. I, I like Jokic. I have him in the top 10. I just think there is a little bit of, I don't know if it's recency bias or whatever, just trendiness where it's like, we've talked about it before. Denver finished as the two seed and they were the one seed for a while. So everyone like loved Denver. Everyone raving about Denver advanced stats say they were probably like you know the eighth or ninth best team they missed the playoffs last year um Jokic for, for as great of a passer as he is he's an average defender at best shot 30 percent from three um and you know what more than anything like he just doesn't scare me really like if I'm playing Jokic in the playoffs like I'm not too nervous about it like he'll he'll get like 20 and 10 and eight but I think they're going to lose. That's insane. He was like, other than Kawhi, he was like the best player in the playoffs last year. That's in, that's like a, a that is a fantastically. I don't know where that take came from. Like, if you you must not have been watching Denver. I watched the playoffs last year. They almost lost to San Antonio, jaggedy ass San Antonio team. They did lose to Portland with home court advantage. Right, and Jamal Murray was way was not good at all. Like, they, they Jokic was amazing. Like every single night. Like I think that's crazy. I'm not saying. I'm not saying your takes. I'm not saying your take on Jokic as a whole is crazy, but your takes on him is like he doesn't scare you in the playoffs. Like, he, like I said, other than Kawhi, like I don't know that there was a player in the playoffs that I thought was better than Jokic last year, and that's one of the reasons why I ranked him higher because in the playoffs he was awesome. You know what? I'll give you that, and I'll give you this too. The one thing, one of my doubts, my nagging doubts about Jokic was, um, can he play more than 31 minutes a night? Because he, yeah, he's he, got a really he's, bad body. Yeah. But he did, you know, there was that one, what, how many overtimes was that one game? Well, they had the three overtime game where he played like 70 minutes. <laughs> right. And so he, but he, you know, he looked exhausted, but he, he did chug along. I mean, he tried and he, his efficiency didn't wane too much. Um, so I, I do give him that. Maybe I'm underrating Jokic there. I still, I think it's close. Paul I do. I don't, I think all these guys are very close. I would say, I think Embiid is a, is, I think the top nine is pretty freaking close. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, like, and I, you know what? In hindsight, maybe I, maybe I'm recency biased in my own self by ranking Lillard ahead of Jokic because he beat him. But it's it, you know he it, wasn't great though as the playoffs wound down. Like he was awesome against Oklahoma City, and then he wasn't really awesome after that. To be, I mean, he was really good, but Lillard pooped out basically. Um, so all right, but I think those guys are in that eight nine range. Either order, right? I I also the next guy on the list. I ranked Anthony Davis a little bit lower. Like on talent alone, like Anthony Davis might be a top three player in the NBA. But I was really unhappy with what he did in New Orleans, and and I'm I just don't know that he can stay healthy. Like that's the only problem. And it's not just like one injury. It's like he always has kind of these weird ass injuries, and it's like he should be a better defender. But I have Anthony Davis eighth. I believe you have him seventh, right? Right. And so he finishes seventh ahead of that Paul George Jokic group in our consensus ranking and i feel pretty good about that i think he's i think he's clearly the seventh best player i mean like the durability is an issue but he played 75 games two years ago he played 75 games prior to this year this year he had you know the trade demands or whatever i think when he's healthy i mean he is 
I don't know, top, I, I maybe, you know, there, there is such a great group of six ahead of him. So maybe it is hard to crack, but. but. But he could be the best player in the NBA this year. And it would not surprise anybody. Like he could win the MVP. He could average 32, 14, four assists, two blocks. And it wouldn't surprise anybody. I ranked him slightly lower just because of what I thought Jokic did last year. And I think he's a little bit more set up for success this year, just because we don't really know how the Anthony Davis-LeBron pairing is going to actually work. And that's the only reason why I ranked him lower. But on, he could be the best player in the NBA next year, and I would not be surprised. Yeah, and if we did this list last year, we would have been fresh off of Anthony Davis sweeping Portland by himself, basically. I think he would have been ranked like five, honestly, if we did it. Like, he would have been ranked ahead of Kawhi last year, for sure. You know, oh, for sure, for sure. And then um, the guy, interestingly enough, finished sixth for both of us, moving up. MVP of the league, Giannis. Yeah, this could be very different next year. <laughs> he could be number one too. He could be number one. I for I think you probably say the same thing. We just want to see regular season do- dominant. Playoff numbers are fine. I mean, I don't think they're hugely different. It's just a matter of like, is that one hole limiting him? Um, you know, they, and it's hard to say. Like the team, he didn't have the talent around him. You know, he was up two zero with home court advantage and a good team around him, and then they lost four games in a row. So I, I just need to see it to to move him up. I agree. I agree with that. That's why I have him six. Like I think on talent alone and, and he's like the best prospect for the future in the NBA. Like, I mean, I think the guy's going to be the best player at some point, but you know, if the shooting goes up like four or 5%, like all of a sudden this, this dude's a monster, you know what I mean? But I agree like too, too young need to see it a little bit longer for sure. And the next group, I guess the tier above them um, is debatable. I kind of want to redo my. I, I want to redo mine. I want to. I want to lower LeBron. Honestly, I really do. I, and I, I, game the system, but let's just say the guys. Let's. There's two guys that finished in four and five that were like clearly like in our rankings, um, in that next group. Um, Steph Curry, I had three. You had five. Yep. Then Kawhi Leonard, we kind of flipped. You had him four, and I had him five. If I could re-rank it, I would have put. I think I would have put Kawhi. I would have flip-flopped Kawhi and LeBron, I think. And you had LeBron could. three and Kawhi forces. Spoiler alert. But um, so that would have maybe put Kawhi ahead of Curry or tied him. But I think the kind of takeaway is that Kawhi, I think if most people you pulled online, it would rank him number one right now. But we're ranking him either three or I have him five. S- same deal, though. I, I just... I, we both, I, I penalize him because he doesn't play 82 games. I, I mean, that's the bottom line. Like, I, I don't love, I don't know how his fit's going to be in LA, like when he's not going to run a ton of ISO in the regular season, but I ranked him low because it's 60 games and you don't know what you're getting from the guy. But he is, God, when he plays, he's amazing. No question about it. Yeah. And and I agree. And I, I feel like I'm turning into a Kawhi Leonard hater just based on like the overhype. But when he plays and he's healthy, he he's maybe the best player in the NBA. It's just, the durability is an issue. I mean, and he, he wore down even in the playoffs. I mean, and he's not giving you, you know, Paul George, you know, as you mentioned, Kawhi's probably a better defender than Paul George on the perimeter. He doesn't take that role every night anymore. And so like Paul George still does that. Paul George still tries to guard the best guy. Kawhi Leonard doesn't, picks his spots more. And we're talking about a guy who's only 28 years old. So it's not like he's LeBron where he's sort of like grandfathered into this like role so i just don't know how many games like you know injuries are fluky whatever i would pencil him in for 65 70 games every year i mean that's t- tends to be as i think he averages 62 so 
that that's the reason that he's lower on our list. And the one thing I will say with Paul George is he's always done that. Whereas like Kawhi was like, he had this reputation as a defender and he did it. And then it kind of like petered out a little bit, but like Paul George always wants to take that challenge. He wanted to, when he was in Indy before he became a good offensive player, the Kawhi thing just, it just worries me a little bit. And again, the one thing I will say is this, like, yes, they won the title, like 100% can never take that away from him. Like brings the title to Toronto, but like, I think like we know if Golden State had been fully healthy, like we're both ranking Kevin Durant number one if if Golden if he doesn't tear his Achilles. Like it's just the bottom line. Like if they win the title, he's gonna be number and no one. one. And no one more to the point, no one would rank Kawhi Leonard number Correct. one. Correct. And and so that's yeah, yeah, you're right. And also like the durability factor, I would make this last anti Kawhi point or whatever, but it's great if you're on if you if he's on a team like the Spurs or on Toronto, which won fifty nine games the year before. Like you know you're gonna make the playoffs. You don't really need Kawhi Leonard to play hard every night. But let's say you weren't. Let's say you were on, you know, Orlando or something like that. Like or a team that's like or the Knicks. Like they need a superstar to carry them every night. And if you're not up to the task, then you're not as valuable. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree with that. But I thought another interesting guy, uh, Steph Curry, who we, who we have in that same tier, advanced stat guys still rank him number one. And so he's only number three for me, only number five for you. Do you think it's a different Steph Curry or is just he's just too limited? I love Steph Curry too. And this this is why I like rankings. Like you always get mad at me and like Blake, Blake J. Harris, our guy, like he kind of laughs about me as well. Like I don't really like doing these rankings and stuff because it's like you feel like you said, like you're a Kawhi hater, even though you ranked him the fifth best, fifth best player. And I'm looking at my rankings. And I'm like, man, like there are days when I think Steph Curry's the best player in the NBA. I agree. There are certain days. I, I don't think he's like the quote unquote best, but he's like the most impactful. Yeah. And I, I worry about a couple things. Like the one thing is like, you know, he's never really, I don't know how good he is as a playmaker. He's obviously a tremendous ball handler, like very good passer. Like, I do worry that like you can rough him up a little bit. Like we've kind of seen the blueprint for how to stop him, though it hasn't worked really well. He was great in the playoffs. He was really good in the finals, even though they didn't win. But it's like, I don't know. And we'll see this year if it gets back to more like Curry, D'Angelo Russell, pick and roll a ton. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. But I just worry that he's not quite able to be the guy that he was in 14, 15. And, and, you know, maybe that's because it's a little bit longer. It's a little bit later out and more people play that style now. So it's not quite as different as it once was. And maybe that limits his impact a bit. But there, I mean, like I said, like me ranking him fifth is like no slight to Steph Curry. It's probably just a slight that he's only like a 6'3 guard, you know, and I would rather have a wing, I think. Well, you know what? Like I, I think for me, it's more like an age thing or it's, you know, he's in his 30s now and watching him even in the playoffs or whatever else, like it, it looks harder for him to get his shot off than it did four years ago. And, and like, if you look at these advanced stats, I mean, I don't know if everyone knows all these advanced stats. I'm not sure I do, but like win shares per 48 minutes, you know, ignoring durability. Um, it used to be 0.32. It is prime. Now it's point one, point uh, one nine nine. So it's like his offensive box minus it is down from 12 to eight. So I, I think, you know, that could be, of course, just be Durant related in a different role, but I do think there's a slight decline. So I might've ranked him as the most impactful, best player in the NBA. I have him third though. Still, I, he, he unequivocally changed the way basketball is played. And like, he, you can't take that away from him. Uh, let's, let's run through this really quick. We, we got about like four minutes left. So uh, let's ignore like the elephant in the room is Durant's injury. So I, I like kind of just ignored it and ranked him number one. You had a number two. So he finishes number one for us not to spoil it, but I, I just think I'm saving that just because like, I don't know, you know, like if he was healthy, would you rank him number one? Yes. 100%. Okay. So let, let's ignore that then. Cause you know, I ranked him. I chose to think of him without the injury, but it's not fair because obviously he's not one of the ten best players in the NBA this year because he's not going to play. But 
I think given his history and whatnot, it might be a short reign at the top. Like I, again, don't really know how to rank him. He was unbelievable the second half of the season. When he wants to be a defender, he's a, a ridiculously game-changing defender as well. Like It's ridiculous how good he is. He's, we've never seen the skill set like Kevin Durant. I think he had finally taken the torch. Sucks he's injured, but I would have ranked him number one if he and wasn't. So this is sure. a different way to frame it, too. Like if you, We had Durant number one if he's healthy. He's not healthy. He's not going to play most of the next year, at least. So who is the best player? And in that vacuum... I had Durant number one and LeBron still number two. You say you're moving LeBron down to four and you have number one, your guy, James Harden. So tell me, why is James Harden the best player in the NBA? I just think he does the most. Like he plays the most minutes. Like he takes the most shots. He has the highest usage percentage. Like I think what he's required to do at the volume that he does, that he's better at it than anybody else. I know people don't like the way he plays. I mean, we're looking at a guy who's finished like top two or three in the MVP the last four or five years. It's, it's ridiculous. Like the amount of wins he's amassed. I know that he didn't, hasn't beaten Golden State. He may not win a title in Houston, but like, I think it's time to start really judging James Harden historically and, and what he's done the last five years. And like I said, last year, like that Houston team was dead to rights without James Harden. Like that might've been a 25 win team without him. We always talked about this with LeBron. Like if you take LeBron off certain teams, they're not winning anything. That Houston team was not winning games with him. I know they're built around him, but like, he did, he did more with his team than any other player did in the NBA last year. And I think to me, that is the best player. And, and I, I, I just, I think it's unbelievable the way people view him just because they don't like maybe his conditioning or they don't like the way that Houston plays, but, but given his volume and. All right. Well, you can't, you can't complain about his condition when he plays the most minutes pretty much. every. No, year. no, but I'm saying like, that's the thing that people knock is like, Oh, if James Harden's going to walk the ball up the floor, like they had to play slow last year. He wanted to play fast and they had to play slow because they didn't have anybody else to do it. So we're going to see another James Harden this year. Cause they're going to play a lot faster. The reason I had to rank him below LeBron, like, look, LeBron didn't make the finals this year. He didn't, you know, he didn't play his best self, but you know, it's, it's one year, you know, the team wasn't that good. He was hurt historically, you know, as of the year before, he was arguably the best player in the world. So I kind of grandfathered him into that for that reason. And like statistically advanced stats or raw stats, like he hasn't declined that much. Um, Harden, I ranked fourth only, and I debated him and Curry, and, and I could go back and forth on that. I just think you can't ignore Tyler Laurie. <laughs> you have to acknowledge to some degree, we talked about it with the honest, like, Harden just simply has not, I can pull up the stats. He has not been as effective in the playoffs as he has been in the regular season. I, I think it's fine to say that, but the bottom line is like he loses to Golden State, just like LeBron loses to Golden State. Like it doesn't, it, it's not the same, like it's apples to oranges. Like Giannis lost to a Toronto team that was like very clearly worse than them in the regular season. Uh, let me pull up the stats since you didn't want to believe me. Harden has played 116 games in the playoffs. That's, that's a, over a season's worth. That's a big sample size. His true shooting goes from 61% to 58%. That's a sizable drop off in the playoffs. Um, maybe what's that's, the league, what's the league true shooting percentage drop? Cause I would argue it's probably not that big of a drop off. I bet it's, I don't know. I have to look that up. We'll have to look that up for next time. But, um, but in general, I think, you know, he's certainly in discussion. I think you're right. I think in a general sense, Harden is underrated. Um, but we'll see. I think it's funny that there's like, it's almost like a vacant boxing title. Like who is the best player in the world? We haven't reached a consensus. Um, certainly, you know, LeBron, Harden, Curry, and Kawhi, I think, are, are the guys that have a legitimate claim. But they, there's going to be another year to prove it. And I would say Anthony Davis this year is the year that we see him probably make a big jump. Like, from 8 to 1 is is very realistic for a yeah, guy like that. I, but, I agree. I agree. But you you look up your Harden stats and throw them out on Reddit. Uh, also, Xander Gellison voted best Redditor 
for NBA. One of one of the other others receiving votes, but a little bit of a longer episode, not a ton of content in the summer. Hopefully, we we come up with some stuff for next week as well. But uh, that concludes the uh, Underdog Academy Awards. Zan. Yeah, it's long. It's like the real show. It goes a little long. Where's the after party? We missed the red carpet. Where's the after party in Hollywood? I don't know. You know what? People need to take away that it's not easy to rank. It's still hard. Even with two people, you can't find a consensus. The one thing we did agree on was the athletic for best sports website. So one more time, do you want to give the people the athletic code is theathletic.com backslash underdog NBA for 40% off the yearly subscription. Uh, Come back. We'll see how we'll do next year. It'll be funny to keep monitoring this for next year to see how it changes. Absolutely. So check out that uh, on The Athletic. I'm at CYS Tyler on Twitter. He is at Zan underscore Ellison. Email the show is Ellison at gmail.com. Zan, as always, it was a pleasure. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 